chapter 20. At the end of the service, all of our guests that are here today, we've got a little, little token, a little gift for you we want to give to you. And then uh, all the kids that did not get an egg this morning, we're not going to have an Easter egg hunt. It's a rainy, but I got an egg for you. Amen. All right, John chapter 20, verse number 11. You find your place. That will be on page 1143. If you got Schofield Bible, let's all stand to our feet. Let's read a few verses. Let you stretch your legs right quickly. John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And she wept. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And she had two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. But Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Amen. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things unto her. I had a thought this morning. It would be why Christianity stands all alone. Let's go to the throne of grace. Ask God to help us. Brother George Brown, how about you praying? Oh, yes. Amen. You'll be seated. Live long enough and someone will ask, what makes Christianity different than all the other religions? Why does Christianity differ from the Buddhist, the Muslim, and all the other various religions we could name? Why does Christianity stand different? Why why is it today? What makes it stand all alone? from all the other religions in the world. They do have some things in common. All religions can be traced back to someone that lived. You ask the Mormon today, they would tell you about Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. You ask the Jehovah Witness and they could tell you about Charles Taz Russell. 
You ask the Muslim and he could tell you about Muhammad. Their leaders lived. Second, all their leaders died, including ours. Just as sure as you're sitting in a pew, Jesus died on an old rugged cross. When he cried, it is finished, it was finished, and he gave up the ghost. I assure you of one thing, they did not take someone off the cross that had passed out. They did not take someone off the cross who had just for a little while suspended animation. I guarantee you they took off the cross someone that was dead. But this is where we differ. This is why this morning I'm a Christian. I didn't say this is why I'm a Baptist. I'm Baptist by conviction. But I want you to know this is the reason I'm a Christian. Buddha can go back to the grave side of his leader and he's still there. Mohammed can go back to the, the Muslim can go back to the graveyard of Mohammed and he's still there. The Mormon can go back to Joseph Smith's graveside and he's still there. But I'd like to take you to a place in, uh, by, at the foot of a cross. Hallelujah. And I've looked at the tomb and I want you to know he ain't there. Amen. Praise God for that. Here's the difference. My Savior on that third and glorious day rose from the dead. He sits at the right hand of the Father ever making intercessions for us. And what makes a difference, why we are different, the very core of Christianity is found in the resurrection of Christ. You know what? That's the reason why if I were you this morning I was lost, I'd get saved. Whoever you're believing, who you're tra- you say, I'm an atheist. Well, you're, gonna, you're, you're trusting yourself. And one day you're going to die, be in hell for an eternity, and you'll never be able to change it. Praise God, there is a Savior that lived, He died, but hallelujah, He rose to never die again and live forever. John 14, 19 says this, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Again, all the other religions on the planet has a, a great site, a place that they can go back to. But praise God, Christianity, all we've got to go back to is an empty grave. And the same words that Jesus spoke to her that day, Why weepest thou? Why are you sad? Why, are you, why you got your chin in your shorts? He comes to us this morning and says, Why are you weeping? Why are you sad? That same Jesus that you have come looking for, He's not here. He's risen. And hallelujah, we serve a risen Savior. Now. Now. And that's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm still stuck on planet Earth. I ain't got to heaven yet. Now, I'm as good as if I was there. But I ain't got there yet. Is there a hope? What is that victory? If you, what you said, preachers, right, and Jesus is a living Savior, 
If I trust Him, what is the hope for me today? Is there a hope? Is there a, is there, is this just something that I'm going to get one day down the road when I kick the bucket and I enter it, that I get it then? Or, or is there some, some truth? Is there a power? Is there a strength that's available for me right now? I've got good news for you. There is. A lot of us are here today, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're here. I'm thrilled for that. On our bus route, there's one family. Right now, they're where another family is in our church. This morning, Brother Dean's brother's hanging right there in the balance. He, he may very well go to heaven today on East. Wouldn't that be a great day to go to heaven? Is there a hope for him? He, he's trusted the Lord. He is the Lord's his Savior. Is there a hope for him? Well, I'm glad that day not only did Jesus come out of that grave and he lives as my Savior, but I want you to know he's a help and a hope for us here today. Let me give you three things. Number one, I see as the story unfolds a common tomb. The Bible says in verses 1 through 9, In the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher to see the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Can I just say this? Don't miss this tomb. Represents a place of terror for mankind. And the truth is, the Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die, then the judgment. We don't talk about it. We don't like discussing it. Nobody gathers around a party table and says, let's talk about dying. Nobody does that. And the truth of the matter is, we avoid it if we possibly can. But the truth is, there is a tomb waiting for all of us. The Bible says, you say, but preacher, what about the rapture? But I believe in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll be changed. Praise God, you're not going to enter into heaven with this old body. And that's another message. I'm convinced there's a, a, a common tomb. And if there's something that, that is common to everyone of us here today, and that is the helplessness of that place. There is a better and good chance today or tomorrow Dean will follow a casket of his younger brother. It's a helplessness to that, is or not? Can't change it. Can't fix it. A trip to Walmart won't make, make it better. Truth of the matter is, that's why funerals are never happy occasions. As a matter of fact, and, and somebody has said that well, Jesus just kind of passed out. I love this story. A woman wrote J. Vernon McGee and said, Our preacher said that on Easter, Jesus just swooped down on the cross and the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? And this was McGee's reply. Dear sister, by the way, don't you do this. Beat your preacher with a leather whip for 39 heavy strokes. Nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for three days and see what ha- what's happened. Amen. Peter, John, and Mary had all had come to the tomb, but the truth of the matter was 
They had no idea that Jesus could possibly be alive. It was a helpless place and a despairing place. No doubt they were confused and no doubt it was a time. I love this. In the midst of their helplessness, the Lord steps in right in the middle of it. Right in in the middle of it, He steps with a divine hope. I see in this passage... Then when he and also that other disciple, that being John, which came first to the sepulcher, notice what the Bible said. He saw and he believed. What did he see when he walked into that tomb? Well, let me tell you what he saw. First of all, he saw evidence that a robbery had not taken place. They would take in the Bible times, they would take a body... And they would cover it with these herbs and spices. And it was made like a paste-like stuff. And they would just cover the entire body. And they would wrap them up in linen. And as they would wrap them up in linen, you would find that that linen would get hard. It would soak up that spices. And it would get very hard. When he walked into the tomb, guess what they seen? They seen the form of Jesus laying there in that hard linen. But when they looked in the end of it, hallelujah, there's nobody in there. No robber could have gotten him out and left it all intact the way it was. No, not only that, praise God, Jesus couldn't have just awoke and gotten out without unwinding himself. As John walked in, he looked into that tomb, laying on that slab was all of this form of a man and a napkin laying at the, at the they put a napkin over their face. And that napkin folded in place. And John said, my God, he's, he's got to be alive. There's no other way. There's no other. And the Bible says he saw and he believed. I wonder this morning... Is there the possibility that you need hope for your helplessness? I love this. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus ever conduct a funeral. He showed up a couple times at some funerals, but before he left, he wasn't a funeral no more. On one occasion, he came by a precious mother weeping and crying and convulsing in tears. Her son, her only son had died and Jesus stopped the whole great possession. And he said, ma'am, what's going on? He said, my son, my only son. And he spoke to him and he come back to life. Amen. Amen. Jairus' daughter, they came by one day and said, 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 don't trouble the master anymore. She's already dead. Jesus said, well, hold it. Let's just go down and see for myself. And he goes down. Everybody's a-weeping. But when he gets done, she's up. She's a-walking. She walks out. Hallelujah. You know why? Because any time he shows up, there's not going to be a funeral. Hey, by the way, by the way, he shows up in your dead heart this morning, you won't stay dead either. Amen. He shows up this morning. And I got to thinking about this. What is the hope 
of the widow that stands beside a grave of the one she loves dearly? What is the hope of the crippled and the abused? What is the hope of the parent of the handicapped child? What is the hope of the blind, the deaf, the paralyzed? What is the hope of the young couple that grieve over the loss of a child? What is the hope of the pain, the mourning, the insanity of our world, the terminal illness, the, the, the sudden calamities of fatal accidents? What's the hope of all those people that were, that were bombed, those innocent people in that, that bombing that just, do, just going about the, the routines of life? What's the hope of that? All these questions have in common the same answer. That is the hope of a bodily resurrection. Hallelujah. I see here a common tomb, but I see something else. I see the conquering over the tomb. That day, Jesus defeated our greatest enemy. When we hear of a tragedy like the bombing, what's the first question that's asked? How many died? When we hear of an accident, what's the first question that's asked? How many were, ki- how many were killed in that accident? When we hear of tragedy, what's the first thing we ask? How many lost their life? What you and I need to understand this morning is this. Our greatest ultimate villain is death. Amen? Amen? Death is the ultimate punishment. Go to any court. And if it's capital one, and they're going to, they're literally find them guilty. And they say, we're going to seek the death penalty. And that is the ultimate, the ultimate punishment that can be given. Someone has said death is a final payment of life. What you and I need to understand, however, is it is Satan's greatest tool. It is one that brings the greatest fear. The Bible says the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That day when Jesus, he was so much more than just an Easter Sunday. He was so much more. Don't don't get sideways with me now. Amen. He's so much more than sunrise breakfast. He was so much more than new clothes. And I'm I'm okay with all those things. He was so much more than that. That day, Jesus, when he rose out of that grave, he said this. He said, I will defeat your greatest enemy. This is a little hard for us to to wrap our little brains around. Dean, I don't mean to use your brother for an an example, but boy, he's a good one. If today he chooses to go to be with Jesus, what you and I see, something is horrible. Something is terrible. Something is so destructive. And no doubt there'll be tears shed everywhere. All he's going to do is go to sleep here. He'll wake up there. And I guarantee you there'll be no tumors in his body. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no, no more long nights of hurting. There'll be nothing there but joy and peace. And praise God. And when that happens, you can, you can pay him to come back. Amen. You say, now, this morning, understand this. Please get this.
If this morning you don't know beyond the shadow of a doubt Jesus Christ is your Savior. You go to sleep, and by the way, it's appointed unto men. You'll go to sleep one day too. Like the rich man in Luke 16, you'll lift your eyes in hell, being in torment. There ain't no party going on there either. Are you listening? There's no party going on down there. There ain't nobody having a good time. They're screaming and gnashing of teeth. And they're begging for one more chance. One more time. If you could hear them preach this morning, they'd say, wake up! Hear me! Hear him! Hear him! Trust Jesus. Don't come to this awful place. For you see, the great hope, the great conquering that day that took Satan threw everything he could at Jesus. And Jesus walked out victorious. Amen. Bible says that when this corruptible should put on the incorruption, and this mortal should be, I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Praise God, what a, what a blessed thing that is. Boy, I, I, what a blessed thing that is. If you know Jesus this morning, there was something won that day that you, that's priceless to a born-again believer. But in the midst of all of that, I see Jesus doing something. Not only did he conquer death, hell, and the grave, but guess what he did? He conquered the heartache that was there too. Boy, he that's right in where you and I are living this morning. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposed him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid, and I will take him away. I'll come and get him. I'll do it all. Just tell me where he's at. And I believe she turned her back to, to, to look another way. And Jesus Don't you love that Jesus said one word, Mary, Mary. That's all he said, Mary. And she turned. And with all the excitement and joy and happiness, she said, Rabboni, in an Aramaic means master. She said, it's you, it's you, it's you. Could you imagine? I think, I think here's what she done. I can't prove this, but here's what she done. She's master. He said, stop. Can't touch me right yet. I got to go to the Father. But when I get back, we'll do all the hugging you want to do. Amen. I want you to know this morning, in the midst of your heartache, Jesus is calling your name. In the midst of your times of need. See, belief in the resurrection is not something we add on to our Christian faith. It is our Christian faith. Amen. And Jesus just simply called her by name. That's all he said. And she knew that voice. She knew that tone. She knew that man. 
And it was indeed Jesus. I'm going to ask you a question. This morning you say, preacher, I know, I know beyond a doubt Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've got a question for you. How long has it been since you heard your name? Let me ask you a question. Those of you that wasn't here on Thursday night, you, you can't answer this at all. You wasn't here. But those of you that were here Thursday night, in that message, did you hear your name somewhere? I heard mine. Matter of fact, I heard my name a few times in that message. I, I, I'm just going to be right here honest with you. God just kind of nailed me to the, to the wall with that message. And my, what a challenge it was. How long has it been since you heard his name? See, here was so much more. So much more. I thought it interesting. I don't know what we're going to do with this one, fellas. But a woman was the first given commandment to go share Jesus. He said, go tell the disciples. Go tell the disciples. Spurgeon once told of a man that had been sentenced to death by a Spanish court. Because he was an American citizen in English birth, they consulted both countries decide to intervene for this man's life. They declared to the authorities of Spain they had no right to take his life. But their protest went unheeded. Finally, they deliberately wrapped the prisoner in their flags, the stars and stripes of an American flag, and the Union Jack of England. Defying the executioners, they issued this warning that, that the man was, take, was to be taken out and shot. I love this. Fire if ye dare, but if you do, you will bring the powers of two great nations upon you. There stood the condemned, but the rifleman would not shoot him. Their power protected him from death. And so does this morning. The resurrection of the Lord we believe and trust becomes your power and my power. Praise God this morning we have a living Savior. If you say, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Muslim, I'm telling you, you can't pray. He's dead. Mohammed's dead. Graveyard dead. Told my grandson one day, we came by a graveyard. I said, Elijah, I know, I know how many people in that graveyard right there, exact, I know exact number of how many people in that graveyard are dead. He said, how many? I said, all of them. <laughs> all of them. All of them. He's dead. I'm a Buddhist. Pray all you want to. Dead people can't answer your prayers. But this morning I bowed and said, Jesus, it's me again. One more time, God just squeezed my heart and said, I'm listening. Okay. The Bible said, well, isn't it wonderful? The Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercessions for us. He prayed for you this morning. When you're one of his kids, how many of you got kids that you pray for? Amen. Boy, I want you to know, you know you got a father. He's a plan for you. The devil comes by, and most of the time, he don't have to lie on us. All he's got to do is come by and say, Father, do you see what old so-and-so done? Do you see what old so-and-so 
Father, did you see what preacher Jerry done? And Jesus looks and says, yeah, but all I see is a clean sheet of paper because his sin's been washed away. By the way, he's one of my kids. You leave him alone. You leave him alone. All this morning, there is a power in this Resurrection Sunday for you and I. But not only is there a common tomb and a conquering over the tomb, but there's a conclusion to take away from this tomb. The news that Jesus lives began to be spread. Hesitation at first, but later on with great enthusiasm. Even the disciples did not believe the first report. Thomas demanded reproof. And by the way, tonight, I'm going to preach on Thomas. Hope you'll be here. Get God to help you when there's broken dreams. Whatever the people were confronted with, the reality of resurrection transformed their life. Number one, it, changed, it transformed them from fear to courage. And the same evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, here's the first word he says, Peace be unto you. How many understand this morning, we live in the most anxious, the most troubled, the most uh, nerve-wracking world you've ever seen. And if there's one thing that's missing in this world, it's peace. And you know what Jesus does? He comes by, listen to me, you can fake a whole lot of things. You can fake being on top side. You can fake a whole lot. You, you can even fake, you can even fake your abilities sometimes. But there's one thing you won't fake. You won't fake your heart when you pillow your head at night where there's peace there or there's trouble. You won't fake that. You won't fake that out. Someone said, how, how peaceful you are. If I sit down five minutes, I go into this great meditation. Some people call it snoring. <laughs> Someone says, comes to me and all this bad news, and trust me, I'm not, we're not exempt from it. It breaks my heart, all these bombings and terrorists and stuff. And I'm going to tell you something, if I was lost this morning, I'd get me a 44, a 30-30, I'd get me a couple of pistols, stick them in my britches, I'd I'd get me an army, I'd get me a cave and some pork and beans and there ain't anybody to enter in if I were lost. But since I'm not, hallelujah, he says, I'll just give you a piece and I'll take care of all of that. This morning he says, peace be unto you. See, twice he told them this, twice. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. See, they, and I love this, he came to them because they couldn't come to him. He reassured them. And then he commissioned them. As my father sent me, so send I to you. Says from fear to courage. Dear child of God, dear child of God, if you believe, look at 
this way. Dear child of God, if you believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose, you've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to fear. I was thinking about this the other, other, just the other day. 20 years ago, my dad slipped out of here and went to be with Jesus. Had cancer for two years. But some of the last things he said to me was this. He said, son, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I was, I was just a young preacher. And I'm still young and still a preacher. Just they're not together much anymore. I was a real young preacher and I went to visit a dear lady and I remember, I remember taking her hand and her hand felt like a skeleton. That's what it felt like. And she looked at me, she didn't say, Preacher, how you doing? She's, she said, I'm afraid to die. I didn't know what else to do and I said, let's pray. And I remember buying and taking her by the hand. And said, dear Lord, I can't help her. But Lord, you can. Now I really can't tell you. And I don't know that I have the words to explain to you. But God done something for her. And I'm going to tell you something. A little bit of it dripped in on me. Because I have never in my life experienced anything quite like that. And when I got done, I looked up. She had a smile on her face. She said, Preacher, it's okay now. And from that day on to the next few days out here, she said, Preacher, it's okay now. It's okay now. It's okay. The Lord had given her, He had taken her fear and given her a courage. And you and I today, how many would agree with me? We need some courage for our day. Like we never needed it. Not only does he move us from fear to courage, he does something else. He moves us from unbelief to confidence. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with him when Jesus came. The other disciple therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. He said unto them, Except I see his hands, the print of the nails, put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You come back tonight, and I'll share that story with you. But then the most important thing he did that day, he gave us the ability to conquer from death to life. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that believing you might have life through His name. We shouldn't look at the disciples in envy because they actually got to see Jesus. The Bible says, blessed are those. Because we're not going to be able to touch the nail prints of his hand right now. 
We have to by faith. So he said, blessed are those who have not seen him, his physical body, yet have believed. This morning, Jesus says, the gospel is given to every person, every age, every, every race, every age, no matter where you're at. He comes and says, but by, leave, but by believing Jesus Christ. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want to close this morning with a story I've had such a bless my heart to know it. A small orphan boy lived with his grandmother. One night the house caught on fire. The grandmother tried to rescue the little boy, but perished in the smoke and the flames. A crowd gathered around. They could hear the boy cry for help above the crackling of the blaze, but no one knew what to do. No one seemed to have the answer. Suddenly, a stranger ran around back. He spotted an iron pipe, reached to an upstairs window. He quickly skimmered up the pipe and disappeared for a minute, then reappeared with the boy in his arms. Weeks later, a public hearing was held to determine whose custody the boy would be placed. One man stepped up and said, Sir, I have a big farm. And um, every, every young man needs the outdoors. And I'd gladly take him and raise him. Second man got up and said, I'm a teacher. I have a large library and every young man needs a good education. And I'll take him. Third man got up and said, Sir, I'm the richest man in the community. I'm wealthy. I give this young man everything else that's been talked about here tonight. I give him the farm. I give him an education. And much more, I give him money to travel and see the world. And I'll take and raise him. Well, anyone else got a word? And in the back. Stranger made his way to the front. It was very evident that he suffered and was in great pain. Reaching the front, he stood in front of the little boy and reached into his pocket. He pulled his hands slowly out of his pockets. And everybody in their horror seemed discarded blistered, burnt hands. And a little boy looked and saw those hands. Lunged and grabbed him around the neck and held on for dear life because that was the man that saved him. Without a word, the farmer got up and left. The teacher got up and left. And a little while, the rich man got up and said, he just gave him something that all the world can't buy. And little boy went home with that man. And not one word was said. This morning, Jesus rose 
and said, here I am. If that's not enough, then my dear friend, you'll just have to die lost without him. But for those of you that are saved, if that's not enough for us to live for him, then what will be enough? You know what that ought to do for every one of us? That ought to get us all excited about being in every church service we can to worship him and praise his holy name. Not because the preacher wants us there. Because of him. You know why that ought to make us want to be a witness? Because he lives. Amen. You, know why we ought to, you know why we ought to do everything we do? You know why I want to preach this morning? Not because it's my job or they pay me a salary. Not because of... But because he lives. He lives. And that's enough reason right there by itself. On this Easter Sunday, you know why Christianity stands alone by itself past all the other religions, no matter what their titles are? My Savior lives. Are you serving a living Savior? Let's all stand to our feet.